Last week we began this series called uh, Magnetic Church, looking at the mission of our lives and of our church in five different ways. Five big ideas or new ideas or stretching ideas to help us think about mission, ultimately with the aim that we engage more with mission. Today has a different tempo to last week and the other talks will be different as well. But today I want to talk about evangelists. Now, already probably some of you are imagining some evangelists, perhaps like one of those characters uh, on the screen. So who have we got there? We've got, at the bottom, we've got David Watson, who was the vicar of St. Michael of Belfry and travelled the world and doing student mission. We've got Reinhard Bonk, who uh, does uh, incredible crusades to X million people at a time uh, in Africa. Uh, we've got Jay John at the bottom. Uh, um, and then at the top, we've got Billy Graham. Are you looking at it? These are all, yeah, okay. Uh, top, middle, who knows who that is? John Wesley? No. George Whitfield. Greatest evangelist Britain has ever seen so far. And top left one to watch, Miriam Swaffield. Our very own. And, um, I, but I think a lot of people shy away from the idea of an evangelist because you think of one of these heroic figures. And you kind of are glad that they're there but you don't see that uh, as you. Uh, or we associate it with some kind of caricature, the American TV evangelist uh, in the glitzy suits and the two jets and the lots of money. So the, the word evangelist, I think, has a bad rap. And I kind of today want to reclaim it for us all so that we can all find some ownership uh, of that word. I think the role of the evangelist has never been of greater importance to the church. And we can't talk about being missional without understanding who evangelists are and what they might do. If we want our church to be a magnetic church, then we need to release the evangelists. And we need to release all of the evangelists in all the forms that that word might apply to our lives. And I think the truth is that God didn't just make one mould of an evangelist that's like a clone and all evangelists are like that and they do and function in the same way. I think there are different kinds of evangelists and if you like we can bin that word evangelist and just use some other words as we're going to do in a minute. There are different words that pick up the heart of what that's saying that you actually might identify with and find yourself uh, mirrored in. So today I want to ask that question, what type of evangelist are you? And I've got nine, and I'm not even suggesting that these nine are the only ones. In fact, I thought of another one on the way here. So I just want to present to you nine ways in which you might hook into this idea of the evangelist. So we're going to go through them one by one, and then we're going to chat at our tables and see which ones we connect with. And so the first one is... The inviter. And inviters want to match people with God opportunities. These are people who love telling good news. And it might be good news about a new TV program that you really need to see, or a bargain at the supermarket, or an event at church. And of course, all of us can and all of us should. 
be inviters in some shape or form. But for some people, this is a particular distinctive gift. The inviters want good news to be shared to people. They may not do the actual telling themselves, but their heart is to bring the people that need to hear into the situation where they will hear or they will find out. And I think inviters are easy to spot because they're always bringing people to things or telling people about good things. They might, they might in conversation say, oh, so-and-so would really love to that. Or they just heard that announcement that Frey just made and they thought, oh, I can think of five people that would love to come and think about emotional health. I'll, I'll invite them. I'll, I'll send them a little note on Facebook. You've probably already, already invited them now. Uh, inviters have that heart. That's what they buzz with. So that's number one, inviter. Uh, number two is listener. And listeners hear what God is saying to people who are in the process of discovering Jesus. God speaks to them so that they can speak living words to others. Think of the example in John chapter 4 where Jesus meets the woman at the well. And he's just there to get a drink of water. He meets a woman uh, drawing water in the middle of the day, which is an unusual time to be there. And they enter into a conversation. And Jesus is listening to the woman, but he's also hearing from God at the same time. They have a conversation about where her husband is and what her lifestyle's been. They have a conversation about which, worship, which mountain would be preferable to worship God on. And then he says... He has this thing about uh, living water. And if you knew where living water would c- came from, you could ask me about it and I could give you some. And it results in her saying to him, oh my word, you're like a prophet from God. And he says, brilliant. Why don't you go and tell your friends, bring them and I'll tell you more. And so listeners catch something from God that it's like a key that unlocks a person's heart. It's as if they play a little bit in the process that helps somebody who's trying to discover the invisible God. It's like a little, a little ray of light, a little glimpse, a little piece of information comes and it's as if only God could have known that. And by that person hearing it and telling it, a person's life is unlocked. I've heard all sorts of weird things in the past. I heard an amazing... I was in a meeting once where somebody had a picture of a kangaroo and it was jumping all over and something fell out of the pocket. And I mean, that, these are moments when you die and you just think, oh my word, I wish I was in a different church. Uh, I wish I hadn't come on this day. And then somebody is there and it's as if that makes unbelievable sense to them. And it's as if only the God who knows the secrets of my heart could have known that. So because you heard that, it's like God is real and their heart is unlocked. Third gift is the apologist. Do you know, I always giggle inside when I say apologist. I always think of escapologist. I imagine someone like Josh Cocaine uh, trying to get out of a bag underwater with a lion chasing him or something like that. So there's nothing to do with that. Uh, apologists are people who show the depth of the gospel. And they show how it connects to culture or 
history or philosophy or theology. Uh, and apologists might be kind of like the intellectual, the person who is, who is learned and educated and schooled in the gospel. Or it may be like an artist who's, who's glimpsed something and has a gift from God to convey it in a way that when others see their creation and their art, it's as if the depth of God's truth is made known. We desperately need apologists, and they may not do the upfront work, although they may do, but in the midst of a community of faith, the apologists save us from reducing uh, the gospel to three steps and a quick prep. Sign this card, and it's a done deal. The apologists show us the depth and the breadth and the colour and the height and the majesty and the magnificence that is God's truth. And they help us from drifting and just, you know, telling it in a biased way or a limited way or we miss the bits out. The apologists keep us centred on God. And they help us to dig deep into understanding who God is. Fourth are proclaimers. And proclaimers, I guess, are the people that we do think of when we hear the word evangelist. It's the guys on the stream, screen, not the Scottish rock and roll band that would walk 500 miles. Um, but the ones that stand up and speak. And so proclaimers help people discover Jesus when they speak. Um, often they have the eloquence of words, but some of the most famously effective proclamation evangelists were tongue-tied stutterers who were nervous of people. Uh, Dwight L. Moody, who, when he first started preaching, was so afraid of the congregation that he would cower behind the pulpit and hide between his hand so he could, own, so he could hide his face from the congregation, but he could just peek them through his fingers. And yet people used to warn the congregation, uh, the man of God's about to preach, um, don't stand up anywhere high because the power of God will come into this room when he speaks and we'll all meet with the living God. So the proclaimers, it's not just that they've got the great message, though they need the message, but it's as if God flows when they speak. And there are moments when you need somebody with this gift just to say something about Jesus because their words with the gift that God's given them unlocks the hearts of the people that are there. Next is Closer. And uh, I'll give a prize to anyone that can think of a better name than this. This was the best name I could come up with. I've studied and prayed long and hard and the best I can come up with is Closer. But a closer is somebody who just kind of knows when it's time for a person to decide to follow Jesus. And it's as if they have a, a God-given sense of timing and faith to kind of know when it's the moment for that person to come to God. Maybe they'd be coming and finding out, and coming and finding out, and coming and finding out. And the closer is just the one that knows. It's now. Now's the time. I need to go and talk to that person. Now is the moment. It's as if they're like the salesmen and the saleswomen of the church. But it's more than that. It's as if God uses them to reveal his timing and to bring 
all the other work that might have been done by the other gifts of the other kinds of evangelists, the closer knows something about that person and they have the faith to draw it out. And I've seen people, I've been in meetings with friends where somebody's come and maybe just sort of, you know, in a good way, picked on a person and just said, I think it's now. I think now's the moment for you to respond. I can remember the moment when I became a Christian and I'd heard about Jesus and I'd had some questions answered and I'd had all the information I needed. But there was a moment when somebody closed the deal and called me to a response. And I think it's as if a gift of faith comes into operation and it calls forward the completion of the work that God's been doing. Next is catechist. And chances are that's a word many here haven't actually heard. A catechist nurtures saving faith through teaching. Uh, They bring people to faith by systematically explaining Christian ideas or beliefs. Now, you don't hear of catechists mentioned much in the UK, but in some parts of the world, world, a catechist would be the most common um, type of evangelist that you'd encounter. In many developing nations, um, the evangelists are in fact catechists who might travel around from house to house and community to community teaching about Jesus, not for Christian education, but for the purpose of calling people to faith. And in times past, um, there were things called um, catechisms, which people learnt, uh, and they would learn set questions and answers. Uh, You know, what's the chief end of man? The chief end of man is to uh, love God and to know him forever. You would would learn and memorise questions and answers. These were called uh, a catechism. Children would often have to learn them before they were baptised or confirmed. But the catechist is somebody who takes the whole of God's truth, but they, they use it to help people journey to discover what does it mean to follow Jesus, what is the Christian faith, the Christian life about. And I think the most well-known example of a catechist is probably the Alpha Course. Because on the Alpha Course, you go along week by week, over a number of weeks, and you hear, in effect, a Bible study each week, but it has the accumulating effect of helping a person understand who God is and what his call on their life might be. Uh, The next is the carer, or the incarnational. And carers are bold in caring for the whole person in Jesus' name. A proclaimer might see the call to faith. A carer sees the whole person as an individual person. They are not an issue. They are not a response. They are a whole person beloved by God. And the word incarnational simply means that we begin with the person and then figuring out what discovering Jesus looks like. And for carers, actions speak louder than words. In fact, carers are often shy in speaking verbally about Jesus, but are bold in demonstrating the love and reality of God through how they live their lives and how people are treated. 
For example, in the book of James, we're told, um, if somebody's hungry, don't say, be of good cheer and know the Lord, but instead, feed them. I mean, a person that's starving doesn't want to have a philosophical discussion. They need some food from somebody who cares before they hear about the God who cares about their whole life. So carers are also incarnational because whereas some of the other gifts may start with the church and work out, it's as if the carers or the incarnational see the people first and then think, what, does it, what might it mean for that person or that group to discover Jesus? Increasingly, this understanding of mission is important in our society because there are less and less people who are kind of have the habit or the past habit of going to church. There are less and less people who can come back to church because there are more and more people who've never been to church and probably don't want to come to church no matter how many cookies or donuts there might be. But thank you, they're very much appreciated. Except by Gab, who's on a diet. The incarnational people help us reimagine the gospel truth, the same truth, but reimagine how it might be expressed to people who are outside of the remit of the church. And then it might be through social action or practical gifts. It might be through somebody running a football group for detached youth. Or it might be any number of things that strike you about people you know at work or where you live or friends who don't go to church and don't know Jesus. Next is missioner. And missioners are leaders who are driven to see a mission-shaped church. Missioners want the church to be led in such a way that the evangelists are released and mission happens. Missioners may not themselves be those that proclaim or tell or say but it's as if they carry the weight of knowing that that's the shape that the church should have. Missioners are busy thinking about how it fits together and who needs to be released and that person for that situation and we need to make opportunity for this. Missioners are in effect leading the church but wanting to ensure that the church fulfills its task of doing mission. And last is Equipper. And equippers are focused on releasing the gift of evangelism in others. In Ephesians chapter 4, when it talks about evangelists, it actually says that their purpose is to equip the saints, that's all of us together, for the works of service. So an evangelist is not just the one that goes and does or speaks, but is the one that Uh, raises up that mission heart in all the forms that it might be expressed into and through other people. Uh, the, The result of the equipper is to see the whole church released, not just one or two, but everybody brought out into the opportunity that God has for them. Now there may be an all, but we're we're going to spend some time chatting at our tables. And um, I'll put the summary on there and and don't worry you've got something on your tables that will help you and my question for you now is this what type of evangelist are you it may be you already know 
or it may be as I went through uh, that list, eight were boring and one made you wake up. Okay, hello, that's you. Um, or it may be right now, we, in fact we could all do this, um, as, as I was going through those, you thought of somebody for one of those, and here's the thing, we often don't value who we are. So sometimes we need what seems obvious to others pointing out to us. So, so the, the inviters and the carers in the room will just think, oh well just, this is just normal, that's how you behave. They probably need somebody to say, by the way, that's the gift that God has given you. You need to be bold in that and you need to do more of that. So we're going to chat on our tables about what type of evangelist you are. 